Hello, everybody. My name is Dan Van Horn. I'm the senior pastor here at Trinity Baptist Church in Fairfield, Connecticut, and we want to welcome you to the TBC Provoke podcast. This is where we hope to stimulate, stir up, and provoke you to love and good deeds by taking the conversation we start on Sunday mornings and bring it into the middle of your week. Hey, everybody, welcome to the TBC Provoke podcast. This is Clayton, and my guest, as always, is Senior Pastor Dan Van Horn. Dan, say hello. Hey, everyone. We also have a special guest this week, and that is a good friend of ours and somebody you just got to meet, uh, if you don't know him already, and that's Senior Pastor Tom Kay from Crossroads. Tom, say hi. Hey, Clayton. Guys, thanks so much for having me. It is our pleasure. Uh, so we are following up on this Sunday's conversation in Acts, uh, this moment in the church's history where God was really doing something incredible, was drawing people together, and was really showing out as he built the church. And the passages that we drew from are in Acts 2, starting in verse 42, and uh, I'd just like to read that for us real quick. Is that all right, guys? Absolutely. Yes, please. Awesome. So we start in 42, and it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." Now, I think historically we can look at this text and see that it means that everybody should sell their things and give it to the church. Isn't that Amen. right? I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Did not even hesitate. That was awesome. So fast. Said it so fast. I, and that's a, that's a joke. Obviously, I joke. But I've been in that church. I have heard that before. Uh, and yet, there's actually something here that's maybe it has to do with possessions, but really I think it has to do with people's hearts. And I know in our service on Sunday, you guys really hit that home. And Tom, in particular, you had this beautiful analogy. Could you sort of remind us of this story again? Oh, sure. I mean, my, my goofball dogs, um, they're uh, Bandit and Shade are their names. Um, and they are, they are Beebles. They're primarily English Bulldogs. And they um, they just sleep most of the time unless um, something gets their attention, and then um, you don't want to be in their way. So they were. I had them out front on a uh, a lead that was designed for one dog to be on, and I was being lazy, so I just attached them both to the one lead. And it was a beautiful day. We're hanging out outside, and they were just kind of laying there like they always do. And all of a sudden, they both jumped up and they pointed in the same direction which made me look in the same direction. And I saw the neighbor's cat making his way out from under the box truck and down the driveway. And that was all they needed. And they both took off like a shot. And the, the 
joint force of them pulling in the exact same direction at the exact same time was enough to, to snap the lead um, right off the tree. And they proceeded to chase the cat uh, across the street into the neighbor's yard. Thankfully for the cat, it, um, it went up the tree or hit itself some other way. But there were, um, there were other objects for them to occupy themselves with in the neighbor's yard that I had to go wrestle them away from. But uh, yeah, just the, the two of them being, uh, I don't know, m- moved by the, that cat was yeah. unreal. <laughs> and you said, uh, you said when we recorded, you said they were acted upon by this outside force. Right. They were just sitting there minding their own business. And then all of a sudden they like, they weren't, they weren't looking is that, you know, that however dogs do that, they've sensed something, there was a tremor in their force. Right. So they, they, uh, they jumped up, they saw what it was and like, we got to do something. They went after it. And there's, I mean, you're drawing this analogy without being explicit. You're drawing this analogy to the fact that the spirit of God really acts as a unifying agent. It's an outside force that acts upon us often. Uh, and that when you're, when you're listening to that and you find a unity, especially with uh, another ministry or another believer, uh, then you, you really get this focus on what the heart of God is and you take off after it. And, and in your illustration, it's kind of like this force acts on your dogs and then they take off after the heart of God, i.e. the neighbor's cat. <laughs> right. And I just, I mean, there's, there's so much, I mean, there's so much more, like it goes back to, um, to Jesus's prayer and and John 17, right. Where he, he prays that um, everyone who believes as a result of the disciples work would, would be as one as Jesus and the father are one. I mean, they share the same essence. So that's like that, that level of unity is something. And it's only, it's only through the Holy spirit that we as, you know, humanity marred by sin could could ever think about such a such a unity mm-hmm. absolutely uh and dan you actually had an illustration with marley your dog as well <laughs> yeah praise god for uh for his hand of protection upon us that when we start running full force in the wrong direction he's got a way of protecting us and pulling us backwards even if it hurts a little bit uh marley similarly are he's a 10-month-old golden doodle and uh, was sitting peacefully outside on the grass, bottom of our deck stairs. And we had him, you know, tied up, well, tied up. He had one of those uh, leads on where one end was on his leash and the other end was wrapped around a couple of poles on the the stair stairs up to the top of the deck. And, you know, Bunny hopped across the yard. And similarly, it's just like, without even thinking, he's just off and running. And the poor thing, when he got to the end of his lead, he just whipped his body backwards. And it's it was like shocking to watch and, and a little bit painful for him. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think like, we definitely as followers of Christ, we not even just as followers of Christ as human beings, there are many things that, uh, that that we are driven by, you know, desires, mm-hmm. longings, um, aspirations, ambition, uh, you, you know, many things that, um, that we allow to have take that place in our heart of, of being that acting force driving us forward. And, um, you know, I think if we took the time to really unpack some of those circumstances in our lives where we've experienced pain and difficulty, 
some some of those situations we couldn't explain, right? I mean, there there's still a mystery to some some of the bad things that happen in our life, but there's also, I think we could probably look back and see how uh, how maybe we've kind of gotten out of step with the Holy Spirit, gotten gotten out of step with the people of God, and uh, felt like we were doing things in our own power and our own strength. Um, I think it's much more beautiful uh, thing to see where Tom's dogs were running <laughs> in the same direction together and could actually, you know, accomplish something meaningful. <laughs> I so, chasing the neighbor's cat up the tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, in your, in your analogy, you know, the leash, it really acts as a constraint of the spirit, right? Marley has this impulse to chase after something and we can all recognize that would he only have gone so far as the leash would allow, he would have had great freedom and comfort. But once he gets out past the, the end of the reach, the constraint of the Holy Spirit, uh, then he's quickly brought back to the reality of its presence. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in the context of what we're looking at here, we're looking at a passage, a historical passage of how the church was started. And the church was started with a purpose to, to go forth and make disciples of all the nations to, to kind of proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I, and so I think like, that's not many different paths to take. That's not many different directions for the church to head in. That's one direction, not the popular European boy band, but, um, the uh the the direction that god has given us to make disciples and and so i think when when we are all moving in that direction together yeah there's a chance to see the awe and magnitude of the lord to to see god see the lord adding to our numbers day by day those who are being saved i love that i absolutely love that that when you're not spread out in uh, the various directions your impulses or desires are taking you, that you can be unified and focused on that calling of the Lord. Uh, Tom, you sort of mentioned this uh, in our service on Sunday. Yes, those things kind of are a checklist. They're a litmus test, if you will, to, to see if you are in the way, the most excellent way. Uh, are you fellowshipping together? Are you breaking bread together? Are you remembering the Lord? Are you, are you submitting yourself to the teaching that has been given down to you from those that the Lord has put in your life? But also, are you moving towards that commission that has been given to the church? Because uh, I think there probably are a whole lot of good things out there to do, but not all of them are God things yeah. out there to do. Yeah. And I think, Tom, what you were, um, you know, when, when you talk about, uh, you talked about this in, in our discussion earlier about this idea of uh, not necessarily being checking the box Christians, but Christians that are actually living in the way. Um, I mean, there, there is kind of this sense where we think as Christians, well, if I, as long as I do just enough, I'm doing enough, right? Like as long as I, uh, I've learned about the apostles' teaching. Uh, I've gone to church on Sunday morning. We had Lord the Lord's Supper on the first Sunday of the month. Um, things are good, right? But, I mean, I think also the scriptures talk about how 
Jesus came to give us abundant life. And so it's not just enough life, but this life where, you know, as we, as we experience the gladness of heart of, of running together, you know, in the same direction, uh, there is, there is a, um, there, there's, a there's a joy to that. You know, there, there's a, a, a characteristic of joy of not just the individual follower of Christ, but of the community of faith. So, you know, when, when, uh, when it talks about, um, when, when, when Luke writes, uh, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I think at least in part, it's the people are seeing what God can do when God leads a community like this. Uh, one way to express that. And I think I might've used this phrase on Sunday, um, was the, you know, the overflow of, of, the Holy spirit just overflowing out of people. And I think mm-hmm. of, you yes. know, I'm getting that we're teaching through the book of acts right now. So I'm prepping and thinking about, you know, um, Peter healing the, the beggar outside of the, outside of the temple. Mm. Um, and that's like the first time we outside of the tongues of fire, right? That's the first time we see a miracle. So I'm wondering like what, what actually you know, what other kind of crazy things were, were going on that they were, you know, that they had the privilege to be a part of and, and the privilege to see and, and were leading people in that direction. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question, right? I mean, is this something where they're, the, the crowds are seeing all these really cool party tricks or, you know, what exactly are these signs and wonders revealing? Um, but anytime there was a sign or a wonder, it was, it was specifically revealing the character of God in Jesus, right? Jesus performed these signs and wonders and it revealed who he was as the son of God. And he revealed the character of God in him. And, and so, you know, you just wonder like maybe, you know, that's part of what brought the, the, the crowds together was not that, you know, there was all these different things going on that were a lot different that were amazing. It was this, this revelation of Jesus, you know, this community where Jesus was being uh, not just preached and proclaimed, but, but people were kind of, they were having all these aha moments in their hearts and minds where it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. That's, that's the son of God. That wasn't just some, some man from Nazareth. That was actually God himself. And so maybe uh, that expression of, the character and nature of God sort of breaking in the kingdom, breaking into our world, that kingdom culture breaking into our culture. Uh, there's probably no way they could list every single one of those things. And so they wrap it up by saying an awe and wonder was upon them and, yeah. and you know, miracle events were occurring. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of, I have a kind of a question for uh, along the lines of what would it look like in our churches today? And, and I think it does, it is something that our, our churches should be these communities where the awe and wonders of God are seen each and every day. And it's not necessarily the supernatural in the sense that, you know, we might, um, that might sit funny with some of us, right? But sometimes, you know, it can be the miraculous of people's, uh, the, the miraculous nature of people's compassion, the, the miraculous nature of people's selflessness and sacrifice, the the miraculous uh, generosity of a church to to uh, care for uh, those in need within their community or even outside their community. Um, I I wonder what does it look like 
in our day and age for our churches, Trinity or Crossroads, to uh, to be a community of faith where uh, where Jesus is seen in our gatherings in such a way that people are drawn to Jesus. People who are far away from Jesus are drawn near to Jesus. Where people are full of awe and wonder at what he is doing. Yeah, yeah, I, and what he has done. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, um, I was just going to chime in. I think, um, right, so God is, um, God is constant and he's unchanging and his, his, character, his character is perfect. But as we look through the record of scripture, we see him um, responding to his people in different ways, right? So um, the, to your point, Dan, like what, what would it look like in our churches today? And I, I brought up the Fairfield County as an obstacle to the community, mm-hmm. to this type of community. And man, I, I, you know, as simple as it might sound, but what would, what would a, a community of people who are slowed down and who are intentionally engaging in things like silence and Sabbath and solitude like, what would that look like from outside eyes looking in? Like, I think that could be awe-inspiring. Like, oh, my gosh, these people, like, they're, they're serious about what they're doing. And it's changing, like, the decisions that they make about their calendars and their daily lives and where they invest their time. Yeah. I mean, I think that could be pretty, pretty awe-inspiring. Yeah. You know, and transformative, too, in the sense that, you know, like that's not something we would do with just like the adults. Like that's a whole family, like um, activity transformed. Yeah. And, and so, so like uh, you know, for a whole family to practice the Sabbath would be very um, uh, counterintuitive to Fairfield culture. You know, where you know there's well, I guess there was sports <laughs> that that competed. I mean, but but again, like maybe this is maybe this is part of what we're noticing right now is a lot of people have noticed the blessing of being home with their family more. And they're understanding the, like they're almost identifying that value. And so, yeah, I mean, if we like, we're, we're happening upon this by accident through this pandemic, but that's part of God's design for the family from the very beginning is to be this, this, um, this unit that is transformed first and foremost. And as a result, we see, uh, that overflow of the Holy Spirit into the world around them. I think perhaps the transformation of the heart is a very undervalued miracle. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that because you can look at what Jesus does to, uh, you know, the paralytic at the gate beautiful, right? And, and he heals this man. And then he charges him and he says, go and sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. And so Jesus has healed his body, but then he gives him a charge about the condition of his heart. Similarly, you look at the able-bodied man, the rich young ruler, who perhaps sort of struggled with a Fairfield County mindset. And Jesus doesn't address any of his physical needs. He addresses the internal needs of his heart condition first. And this man is not transformed. Yeah. And Dan, this is a conversation you and I kind of had uh, recently, which is that it is a miracle when the spirit of God 
acts on somebody and their heart is changed. Mm -hmm. It is a, it is a metaphysical event. Mm -hmm. It's not something that happens in everyday happening, but when your heart is transformed, when the orientation of your inward most being starts redirecting itself towards the kingdom of heaven, that is miraculous. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think it's so miraculous that things like he used to not have a leg and now he's got a leg. He used to have cancer and now he doesn't have cancer. There used to be two loaves of fish and now there are 5,000 loaves. Do fish come in loaves? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I've never had a I've never had a fish loaf before. Have you had fish uh, chicks? Point being, oh yes. Maybe that's I've maybe had five thousand fish sticks. <laughs> uh, the point point being that those things all seem very small in comparison to the idea of a transformed heart. Uh, and I think we think about the physical things. We go, whoa, somebody raised from the dead. That's that's a that's amazing. I don't even know if that's possible. Ah, yes, but heart change, that's probably possible. When in fact, it's, it's the inverse. Raising people from the dead in the kingdom is a very small thing. Transforming a heart, like that's what has eternal reward. So, but, so here's an a interesting question for me, at least. Um, is I, I wonder if people are more quick to write off the, the possibility of the miracle of a transformed heart. Like you think of some of the most wicked people you could think of. I know right. people who, you know, who have said, well, we've, we've given up trying to change them or, or, or ask God to change them because it's just not going to happen. They're, you know, they've got hearts of stone or whatever. Um, it does, it does seem like that. It does seem that people can hold that perspective that heart transformation or soul transformation is almost impossible. And so for it to happen, it's miraculous. Whereas any person's uh, to what you're saying, any person's transformation of the heart is miraculous. Okay. Absolutely. Tom, have you, you found in terms of, and it doesn't, you don't have to give specific names <laughs> or anything like that, but have, have you found that to be true? That, that, uh, that in terms of people allowing Jesus into the very center of their being, that, uh, that the transformation of the heart is truly a, uh, a much bigger uh, event occurrence than, you know, than just someone praying a prayer of accepting Jesus. Absolutely. And, you know, that uh, just the idea, you say a couple of words and something magical happens, that's like an incantation. That's not, <laughs> that's not right. faith in Jesus, right? The, the transformation from the, from the inside out is I would, yeah, I, I'm absolutely right there with you guys. It is miraculous. And I think it's, um, you know, it's uh, Ezekiel, right? When, when God is talking about, I will, give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you like it's there is a uh, a transplant that that happens that requires um you know the great physician to do to do that healing that healing work that transplant work some sometimes we see people come to faith in christ and there is a, a pretty immediate transformation um like clayton i think that's part partly your your story right was a pretty dramatic change yeah. in your lifestyle that and in your life that happened yeah. overnight and then for others it's they've made this commitment and the fruit that that is born from that commitment isn't seen for you know ways down the road seed time and harvest yeah right it takes all of those things seed time 
and harvest. Uh, I think maybe just this year, I've gotten to a place where my anxiety over seeing Jesus worked out in somebody's life in my season has has greatly been relieved by a trust in his sufficiency. Uh, I, I used to be very anxious about watching somebody who had committed to the Lord begin to resemble his kingdom in, in his ways. And uh, I, I feel so confident now in God's goodness and his pursuit after those he loves that when I start talking to somebody and I know they're like at, at the moment I'm talking to them, I know they're outside of the faith. But when I start hearing them ask those questions that start the conversations that you know inevitably lead to Jesus, like in my mind, I check them off. I'm like, oh, you're you're on the path. Jesus has got you. Nobody's heart even thinks of those things without his prompting. Like you don't know it yet, but you're already a kingdom person because um, I know that he is never going to stop. He he is a good bridegroom, and he will never stop pursuing his bride. And and so when I encounter these folks now, who go who ask, so tell me why you do things the way you do. Tell me tell me what it is. You really believe that? You really believe that that's true? And then I can share something with them. It's like in my mind they move to this other list, which is like they're on the way to Jesus, and it's just a matter of time. And that is that's like awe inspiring. It, it just, it took me a long time to get there, but also I had to wait and see it. My father's probably not going to listen to this podcast, so I'm going to talk about him <laughs> real quick. <laughs> uh, I would say I grew up in a very moral home. I knew that if I lied or I stole that I was going to catch the belt, and that was a good thing for me to know. Otherwise, I would have been a much more um, vibrant lying thief. Uh and so I became a believer, you know, right towards the end of college. And, and Dan sort of mentioned this. It was a very big change in my life, like my character, my nature, the very, the very core of what I am shifted. Uh, the change was so dramatic that I became a joke in my community. And, uh, I, and everyone sort of backed up. I mean, everybody backed up for me. And they just wanted to see what I would do next. They're like, oh, he's a believer in Jesus now. Well, right, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so I like I became a believer in Jesus, and I was wearing you know rope sandals and um, boot-cut jeans, and I had a black pearl snap <laughs> T-shirt uh, that I'd that I'd wear to to the nearest church I could find. And it's Oklahoma, and it's 110 degrees in July, but I'm still wearing a corduroy sport a corduroy <laughs> sport coat, uh, and I've got a mohawk walking into this church service at the sweet Episcopal church where you're supposed to be quiet when you walk in, but I didn't know. Uh, five, six years of being a believer, um, I purchased my father uh, a beautiful Bible. You know, I was very intentional in the selection and got his name embossed on it. And, and he was appreciative and it sat on his desk and it collected dust for a decade. I mean, literally, I could walk over and wipe my finger across the top of it. It never moved. Just simply having it in the room sort of like scratched the itch for him. And 
we finally got into a conversation maybe two years ago where he said to me, well, I thought you knew this is what I believed. And I said to him, why would I ever know that? You never told me about Jesus. You never taught me about Jesus. You never took me to church. Uh, There's no way I could know, right? You know, your, your fig tree was fruitless apart from this sense of sort of Christianized morality. But what I have seen in his life in the last 18 months has for me been just the sweetest gift. Um, Our conversations have become more open. His declarations about faith, still very subtle, have been very clear, like no beating around the bush, not, well, I think everybody should probably get to know a little bit about Jesus. You know, he's not, he's not as dramatic as I am, but when he says what we need now as a community and as a family or as a nation is to come to Jesus, like I know he means it. And that's something a decade ago he never would have said. And so it has been it has been things like that, but it has also just been this growing confidence in the power of God. You know, when you say God is sovereign in all things, you either mean it or you don't. And I'm going to lean into that confidence in my own life. And so when I meet somebody and they start saying, you know, I got this question about like why we're here. What happens next? How should I behave in this present moment? just immediately I'm like, oh, he's working in him. He's working in him, and he's so good now that he has started to work in them, he's not going to stop until he finishes it. And you wonder what that would look like as he gets plugged into a community where, like, he has that encouragement to say, keep going, keep going in this direction. You're doing, you know, you're asking the right question. Your, Your longings are on point. You know, I share that longing with you. You know, it, it almost, it kind of, you see then the benefit and the value of the early church when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And they, you know, day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes and uh, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. You know, like there's a sense of togetherness that's not just together, but but unified. Like, Clayton, what you said uh, something a minute ago, I mean, no, um and your story of like transformation over the course of time. Like, I think part of the, um, the awe and, and wonder, right. It's, it is, it's over time, right. We are, we are, you know, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we're changed forever. But from that point on, we're forever changing. Right. And that, that in and of itself, like that's miraculous. That's just the, the fact that he will see us like, we come into a relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus and whether it's the seeds being planted and watered or once we come to faith in Jesus, watching somebody grow in Christ likeness, like that's a, a miracle day daily. And it comes, yeah. you know, it, it's often cultivated and not often always cultivated within the, the um, a, a community of, of other, other believers. Ah. That is awesome. And so, church, that is 
where we are at. We get a glimpse here in Acts 2 of this community that has been forever changed by an interaction with Jesus, by the spirit of Jesus, and and many of them at this point, the person of Jesus. But from that moment on, they are forever being changed as well. So now I've just got to put it out there. If you are listening to the podcast today, if you have been in church faithfully for years, but you do not feel like you have had that forever changed encounter, then I'm going to ask you to speak to the Lord today. If you have had that moment, if you can look back in history and you can go, there there it was. It was that season of my life where the Lord became real to me and I was forever changed. Then I want to encourage you to continue to walk down that path, that forever changing path of growing into Christ-likeness through the power of His Spirit working in you. But I want you to do it in community. I want you to be gathering together with others. I want you to be sitting down and breaking bread and and remembering what the Lord has done for you. I want you to be sitting underneath the teaching of the scripture and let it wash over you, change your mind, and, and work itself out in your heart. And as you do that, in your life and in the lives of those around you, awe will come on those who see your life as a testimony, and they will inquire as to why you are different now than you were before. And that is the sweet-smelling aroma of grace. That is what draws people to the Lord. So be kind and be generous with your sharing of your story and invite everyone you know to come and meet this Jesus that causes you to be forever changed and is gracious to you while you are forever changing. Well, hey, everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, I hope this provokes you unto good works, that as you hear and think about these things, that you would strike up these conversations with others, even if it's just to say, can you believe what those two knuckleheads said? But it is our sincere hope that this conversation leaves Sunday and enters into your life where the boots are on the ground, it enters into your relationships, and it begins to shape and mold how you see yourself as a believer, but also how you see yourself as a part of this community. We love you. God bless. Amen.